All right, who's ready for the Word today? I'm going to speak to you from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. This uh, message I'm going to speak to you this morning has really come out of, uh, I guess, this season of God intervening in our lives, God moving in our lives, God taking us from one place into another place, a change of season and uh, what we've been learning in this season of our life. So Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says this. It says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I'm going to read that again. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I'm going to uh, just say this in the Sam Long version this morning. You may think you know what is going to happen with your life. You may have planned out how your life is going to roll. But when God gets a hold of your life, when God speaks into your life, who knows that He can move, who He wants to move, do what He wants to do, bring faith where He wants to bring faith, release where He wants to release. And so I wanna speak to you this morning about how to live your life, if you're taking notes, not under divine intervention, but how to live your life in 2019, 2019. It's been a big week, people. under God's divine control. Let's pray. Father, I just thank You today for this Word. I thank You, Lord Jesus, that You wanna speak to us today. I thank You, Lord, You wanna breathe on this Word today. I'm aware that without Your presence and anointing on this, this is dead. But when Your power and Your anointing comes on a Word, it can shift things in our life. So God, we just declare God shifts in this room today for 2019. We declare that You would speak to us, that You would move what needs to be moved in our hearts to bring us into alignment with Your plans and Your purposes and Your destiny and call on our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' Name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not saying this has ever happened because if I did say it ever happened, I might get in trouble with my wife. But is there anyone here who is, for lack of a better word, like a backseat driver? Just put your hand up. You're a backseat driver. You, you kind of like to, to have some suggestions on perhaps how the car should be operated while it is in motion. There's a bunch of people who are being way too quiet because I know in this room today, there is probably at least a hundred of you. So come on, don't be ashamed of it. You're a backseat driver. You like to be in control of that wheel. Now, I'm not saying this is true, but maybe occasionally, potentially, uh, when my wife is driving, we get into situations in which I am fearful for my life. Sometimes we get a little bit too close to pedestrians and I want to take control of the wheel, right? Sometimes we are at stoplights and apparently we are not at stoplights because the car has not stopped at the light. And, and I am tempted to intervene. And so what do you do? There's been a couple of moments where we've had, you know, the old NDE. Do you know what an NDE is? Near-death experience. And um, had a couple of those where I've kind of jumped across uh, from the passenger seat, grabbed the wheel and just done some correction there um, and, and come back. And who knows, as a husband, that never goes down well, right? That is never going down well. And, and what, what's happening is that moment is you are temporarily intervening. That's an intervention. You are intervening. You are taking control of that wheel from the person who is steering the car to prevent an accident, to prevent something from going wrong. I think a lot of the time as Christians, we become obsessed with this idea 
of divine intervention. We become obsessed with this thought, this idea that we want God to intervene in our lives. But I don't like this word intervention because it suggests that there are moments that God is not really in control. It suggests that there are moments that we are in control and when we need Him, He steps in to prevent calamity, but then gives the will back to us. The reality is we're not called to seek after or to chase after divine intervention. What we're actually called to seek after and chase after is divine control. Jesus isn't meant to take the wheel at moments in your life where you need Him. You need Him every moment of your life. We don't want Him stepping in. Come on. When we need it, we need to be under His control constantly. Like far be it from us, that our relationship with God would be minimised to accident prevention. (laughs) That the only time God hears from us is when something is about to go wrong and we need Him to step in. No, God is not a God who wants to commune with you over accident prevention. He's a God who wants to commune with you to take you to your eternal destination. The calling and the anointing and the destiny of God that is actually on your life. So we get obsessed with this thought of God intervening, but maybe what He wants for us is not to get obsessed with that thought, but this one. God, every day I wake up, I want You to take the wheel of my life. God, every moment I breathe, I want You to be in control. Lord, I believe that You're in control over my family today. I believe You're in control of my finances today. I believe You're in control of every situation in my life. And I am intentionally on a daily basis, not occasionally, but on a daily basis, Placing you exactly where you ought to go in the driver's seat of my life. I want to challenge you this morning. Are you living your life hoping for occasional divine intervention? Or are you living your life seeking to constantly be under His divine control? Because they're two very different ways of living. I spent a lot of time in airports over the last couple of weeks and there's a certain person at the airport that scares me every time I walk in, the security person, right? These people are hardwired to assume you are evil. Like you walk in and you get to that security line and you immediately, you could feel the judgment. Like you walk up to that line and they're looking at you. And they look at me like so harshly that even I'm convinced I'm a criminal. Like thoughts start going through my head of like, could I have brushed past someone in the mall who had gunpowder on their, on their sleeve and it's gotten on me and they're gonna do the bomb test and I'm gonna get arrested or, or somehow some youth kid at Youth Alive conference snuck some drugs into my backpack and I didn't know about it. And I'm like, like all these thoughts start running through my head. They look so suspicious. They're looking at me and, and every time I get randomly selected, you know, it's the boldness. And and, and it gets me on edge. And, and I was kind of thinking about this, this system we've got set up. And if you've been to airports recently, you would know that over the last five years, the security measures have only increased and increased and increased, right? And if, to be real, the reason that has happened, the reason that's occurred, the reason we've got greater security measures in place, it would be safe to say that we don't want people taking control of planes that they shouldn't be taking control of. So security measures 
have been put in place to prevent something from a hijacking occurring, right? There's these security measures that have been set up so that someone cannot come in and take control of something that we don't want them to take control of. And what is true of this physically in an airport is actually so true of us spiritually when it comes to our relationship with God. Often we put security measures up around areas of our lives to prevent Jesus from hijacking things that we are not comfortable with Him hijacking. There are areas of our lives that we are happy for God to have control over, but if we're honest, there are other areas of our lives that we do not want Him to come near. We do not want Him to hijack. We do not want Him to control because we have a fear that maybe He's not a good pilot. Now, we wouldn't say that, we wouldn't sing that, we wouldn't be here at Emerge Church on a Sunday morning singing, God, you are a terrible pilot. Like, we're not gonna sing that. But just because we don't sing it, it doesn't mean we don't believe it. Our behaviour is a product of our belief. So whenever there's an area of our lives that we have not given up control over to God to, it is because we do not believe He is capable of driving that as good as we are capable of driving that. If we're honest, when it comes to different areas in our life, maybe we don't attend a small group and we tell ourselves we don't have time, but really we don't want the inner workings of our lives to be hijacked by Christ. We don't wanna be vulnerable. So we put up a security measure to prevent Him from taking control of that area. When it comes to things, you're ready to be challenged today, church? Is it okay to challenge you in January at Emerge Church? But but when it comes to things like tithing, we, we struggle with it because we go, well, God, I, I feel like I'm in more control. I've got a better idea of where my money should go than you do. So I struggle with it. I put a security measure up because I don't know if I can really trust you with that. Or when it comes to our children or our families or the things that are going on around us, we, we work and we strain to try and keep everything together and we're running around trying to keep the family together and trying to keep everything from falling apart. And rather than getting on our knees, we are running around because we are convinced that it is on us to control how this ends. We put up security measures to prevent Jesus from coming through and taking control of what He should be in control of. But the reality is today, I got some good news for you and it's bad news for you as well, depending on where you're at. If you are a Christian in this room today, Jesus wants to hijack your life and He will not relent. He will not stop until every area of your life is under His reign and under His rule and under His control. But the good news is today is He is a better pilot than you are. He made the plane. And of course, we know this intellectually, but we don't live this experientially. I can prove to you today that when Jesus takes control, it is always going to end better than if you were in control. And you say, Sam, how can you make such a bold statement like that? Well, this is what I know is that on the cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus' life was hijacked by my sin, your sin, my wickedness and your wickedness. So that 2,000 years later, our lives could be hijacked by His righteousness, His grace, His favour. Come on, His life ended in a mess so that yours didn't have to. He is a good pilot, a good driver. He is with you, He is for you. 
He knows what He's doing. And we've got to learn to let Him in to the areas of our lives that we are so afraid to let Him into. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this. Come on, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Some of you this morning, you might be feeling nervous because you can hear the security sensors are going off. But let me tell you today, Jesus is coming in. And the great thing about Him being in control and you releasing control is that He bears the weight of the burden, not you, Him. There's a guy in the Bible called Jonah. And Jonah is one of my favourite prophets because he's a very honest prophet. He, he knows God very well. God calls him and says, hey, um, I'm gonna send you to this city called Nineveh. It's a wicked city and I want you to go and preach the gospel. And so, you know, Jonah gets very mad about it because he's like, God, I just know that you're so good and so kind and so gracious that I'm gonna walk in there and they're all gonna repent. So I'm not going. Like, <laughs> wrap your head around that, you know. Like if someone told me today, Sam, if you go and preach at whatever the biggest stadium here is in Brisbane and, and the whole of Brisbane's gonna repent, I'd probably be like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, awesome, you know. But Jonah, he's in a bad mood. He's having a bad day, you know. So he says no. But what he does is he gets into a boat and he heads what? Into the opposite direction. We probably all know the story. Of course, the storm brews up and everyone figures out that, you know, Jonah's been a naughty boy, so they, they throw him over the boat and God sends a fish to swallow him up and the fish spits him out right back where he should have been. Jonah refused to relinquish control of his life, so what did God have to do? He had to intervene. God sent intervention because Jonah would not give up control. But the moment that Jonah gave up control, he became to Nineveh what that fish was to him. He became God's divine intervention to that city. Here's the thing. When you refuse to give up control of your life, you need God's intervention. But the moment you give up control of your life, you start to become God's intervention to the world around you. The reason God needs you to give up control isn't so that He has to stop intervening. The reason He wants you to give up control is so that He can start intervening in the world around you through you. You are called to be God's divine intervention in the world. Been praying, God, would you intervene in my workplace? He has, He sent you. God, would you intervene in my family? You are the intervention that you've been praying for today. God, would you intervene in my university? See, when you give up control, you become God's divine intervention to the world around you. And let me tell you something. This is what I know about Brisbane. It needs a church, come on, to rise up and understand that they are the divine intervention that Brisbane needs. A church of people to rise up and say, I'm giving up control this year. I'm giving up control. I'm going all in because the city, the family, the workplace I'm in needs the intervention of God. And oh, hello, it's me. It's me. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, and the message says this, at the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world 
is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts and by which He fills everything with His presence. You do not attend church, you are the church. You are His plan, you are His intervention. But imagine if God's plan said back to Him, I'm not going. When someone asks you what you did on the weekend, you didn't go to yourself, did you? No, you can't go to church. You realise this. The church is who you are. You are His body. You are His message. You are His presence. You are His life. You are, come on, everything that Brisbane needs. God is placing and sending on the inside of you today. It's your calling. It's your purpose. It's who you were born to be, but will we give God enough control to be the intervention that He's calling us to be? I remember a little while ago, I was on a flight on the way back from Brisbane. We're just sticking to the plane theme this morning. And uh, I was on the plane and I don't know about you, but when I'm on a plane or a bus or any kind of like tube with lots of people in it, I don't particularly enjoy the experience whatsoever. Like, I feel like we should have space in the world, right? I don't like being constricted. But um, when I'm on the plane, normally I just like to put my my earphones in, you know, like watch a movie or intercede for the nations or something, you know. Um, But but normally when I'm I'm there, I just like to stick to myself. This particular day, um, I felt God speak to me and just say, hey, ask the person next to you where they go to church. And I thought to myself, well, that's a terrible question. Um, because that's assuming that they go to church. Perhaps a better introduction would be, have you ever been to church? But I felt the Holy Spirit just burning on me. No, ask him where he goes to church. So I turn to this guy and I just say, hey, mate, (laughs) where do you go to church? And he's like, um, well, well, I don't go to church. I haven't gone to church for a while, but he's like, it's weird you ask because I was in Brisbane to go and see my uncle and he's a pastor. And, and the reason I was going to see him is because I've been having these night terrors and I haven't, I haven't known how to get set free of them. Like I, ha- I haven't known what to do. And so I went there to talk to him about it and ask him what, what I should do. And I'm on my way back to Adelaide and I'm like, wow. And he's like, so, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And he's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, no. He's like, you dress well for a pastor. And I'm like, thank you. Um, and he's like, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, what? Tell me. I love this already. What's going on? And he's like, my auntie, like, hears from God. She's like, a prophet? Like, he obviously is very suspect of his auntie. But he says, my auntie told me that I was going to meet a pastor on the plane on the way back from Brisbane and that he was going to speak to me and we were going to pray together and I was going to be set free from these night terrors. So we're there on the plane, right? And I start talking to him about the authority he has in Christ. I start talking to him about the power of the blood of the Lamb and, all, and, and we're there and there's like a row in front of us as there is on a plane. And what happens is when you start having a conversation about demons in, in a plane is that all you see is ears. It's like, 
But we start praying together on the plane and he starts encountering the presence of God on the plane and God comes on him. He has an encounter with God. Why is this so good? Because here's the thing I know. I am not an extraordinary person, but all I know is that when you're an ordinary person doing ordinary things under God's extraordinary control, anything can happen. It can happen in your school. It can happen in your university. It can happen in your workplace. God isn't looking for special people. He's just looking for people who say, take control. Take control. I give you control. 